Lord, we honor you with our songs. God, we honor you with our lives. Lord, we thank you for your goodness that's passed before us. And we celebrate you. Lord, you're the object of our worship. You're the object of our praise. You are the one and only true God. You're the giver of every good and perfect gift. And you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so all attention goes to you. All glory and honor goes to you. All of this is for you. Thank you, God. And we honor you together. We love you. In your precious name, amen. 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 Um, So I was thinking about today, and I was talking with Ben, and we were talking about Nehemiah, right? Are you familiar with the book of Nehemiah? And there's a a part where they return from exile, and Ezra reads the law. And and Ezra, by the way, where's Ezra? Ezra's here. It's his birthday today. Graduated from eighth grade yesterday, wherever he is. There you are. I know you love attention, bro. Happy birthday. Um, Ezra reads the law and he describes it and and it it resounds with the people and the people begin to react emotionally and they begin to cry they begin to weep and Nehemiah gets together and says basically there'll be no crying at this party is what he says in the Hebrew and and he says bring your best get everything here and whoever doesn't have it bring enough for them because today is a day of celebration and today is a day where there's no weeping because this is the famous passage that hangs on some of your walls or maybe it's a wallpaper in your computer or whatever else he says for the what the joy of the lord is your strength amen and that's what we want to celebrate today is the joy of the Lord. And, um, and, and so I say that, I start that off by saying that because I feel a little um, like I'm about to cry at any moment. Like I was ending that prayer. I'm like, <laughs> and so there's no crying today unless it's you and you want to cry. Um, but today is a day of joy and celebration for what our God has done. And Rochelle and I just wanted to um, just thank all of you for your, your goodness to us, your goodness to this place, and your faithfulness to the Lord. Um, you're an amazing group. So from our, our staff to our pastors, to the deacons, to each and every one of you who literally brought your best, and in a moment we'll be able to experience your best meats and vegetables and baked goods and whatever else, and enough for everybody to enjoy. I just, and Rochelle and I, from the bottom of our hearts, just wanted to thank you. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I am going to just share a little testimony, if that's okay. It bringing is okay. Bringing you back. Bringing, yeah, you have no choice of a <laughs> microphone. I guess everybody has a choice. You can walk out. But um, I just want to take you back to a time uh, when, actually, when we first started leading the church. It was probably a few years after Danny became the senior pastor. And during this time of Jubilee, this testimony, this miraculous Uh, provision that God did, it keeps coming back in my mind because it was such a significant time um, for our church, but really a significant time in our lives as uh, young people leading this church and not wanting to break you or (laughs) mess it up in any way. Um, I can't remember exactly when it was. I do know that it was just a few years, like I said, after Danny became senior pastor. I know this because I remember thinking, this is, we'll put, put a little picture as to the time frame that we were at in our life. Um, either it was just Kate that was born or both of my kids were born, and I was at home with them during that time. And I remember thinking just how stinking expensive diapers were. 
right? Those of you that are in this phase, you like kind of know, you're like, how much do they really need diapers? Like, it's, is it really that important? And <laughs> um, at the time, I was at home, so I wasn't at church full time or anything. We were on single income. And um, that's okay. God is good. Provision every time. Diapers stretched out. I don't know, whatever it was. Um, double use. Double, double use. <laughs> no, I promise. No double use, kids. I, d- I promise. I, we did. I don't know what happened when it was just him at home, but it did not happen. Um, At our house, you're like, is this lady really going to be talking about diapers the whole time? No, I'm not. Um, So Danny comes home one night from a board meeting, and and he came home and he just shared. I can't remember the exact details, but I remember our CFO at the time had said something along the lines of, I've done, I've ran the numbers and we will be running out of money by February. So for our church, around the numbers, we're gonna be running out of money by February if it keeps going this rate. So it was about end of, end of uh, towards the end of summertime, getting into fall time, so I'm like, mm, we got six months, that's cool, no problem. We got six months or seven, we can turn this thing around. Um, and plus, I mean, that's just a number guy, they always have to bring up numbers, right? Like, what do they know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it was definitely a lean time in our church. Our church had just gone through a lot, and um, it was, it was I don't know if it was a recession. I don't know if it was just a church recession. I don't know, but I just know that it was definitely on your knees before the Lord praying for his provision and also wisdom and how to spend um, the money and to pull back and the whole bit like that. So fast forward now, several months has passed, and we're about a week before Christmas, And I remember Danny and I having that kind of like come to Jesus moment. It was a very, very sober, sober conversation regarding uh, the next steps of our church and the first of the year and what it would look like, what it would look like as far as pay cuts. And, um, you know, it's just, it's hard to think about that. And we would never ask something of our staff that we would in ourselves do. And we trusted God. We've seen provision in our life. We've seen provision in our life as single people. Most of you know Danny right out of high school went into youth with a mission for seven years. He saw provision. He saw God show up um, just at the 11th hour or even the first hour with money. He saw ways in which he was super sick and near death and God healed him. And just you have to take him out for coffee. He's got a ton of stories. I saw it in my own life too um, in college and just not even knowing how I was going to pay that semester no joke, guys, money in my college account. I mean, just miraculous, amazing provision. We saw it as a married couple. We saw it as parents. We've seen this kind of provision. And so now having this faith for an entire congregation and just knowing God can do great things, he is able, he is able to do it. We knew what our amazing leaders before us had gone through. Danny has said it so, so many times. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Pastor John and Ruthann and Pastor Noel and Phyllis and the leaders and the associate pastors and the different ones that, that had started this church and had sacrificed and they saw miraculous provision. We knew um, what God could do and we borrowed their stories. We borrowed their stories for this situation and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed um, And so, I have to look at my notes because I keep going all over the place, but we continue to pray. We even, I remember even having a time where I was like, Lord, 
Are we in disobedience? Did we do something? And we begin to repent. I mean, about everything you can think of, not providing enough diapers or not providing, I'm just kidding. We just repented. I'm really, I'm really working that joke. But we really repented and just asked the Lord. We wanted to be right before him as a, as a staff, as a deacon, as a church. We just wanted to be right before him. So about a week before, um, um, I'm sorry, it was just a couple days before Christmas. We usually take off after Christmas, excuse me. We usually take off between after Christmas and the first of the year. Um, and we close the offices down. And Maggie Carter, who was the secretary, the church secretary at the time, went into the office to um, grab mail and to look at things like that. And at some point, we get a phone call from her. You guys have to come down here. Okay, we come down. I mean, we only live a little bit away, so um, it wasn't very hard to come down. And this little tiny... It was about this big. Something this big completely rocked our world and changed our life. And it was a check made out to the church for, I believe, about $120,000. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it not only took care of our budget deficit, like, and then some. It was amazing, God's miraculous um, provision. And what it spoke to me right there at that moment, I mean, I cried, you guys, like the ugly cry, you know, <laughs> like that. Just, I cried, and I think I scared Maggie, because I don't think she ever saw me cry like that. I didn't realize how much of it I had carried, because they weren't just faces, you know? You have names, like, we have a responsibility. And, and the provision that God gave, yes, amen, and the provision that God gave, I feel like he really, um, during that time, just showed me and showed us, but this is kind of my personal story. He showed me at that time, you know, if you love me, if you love God, if you love God's word and obey it, and if you love his people, he will always take care Amen. of what needs to be taken care of. And I was so grateful that we could borrow the stories of the giants that we sit on their shoulders, that we could look at the faithfulness of God throughout the years, and he never stopped, and he's not going to stop. So fast forward, right? Amen. So fast forward now, and we have this, this um, I'm going to be really, really quick, but fast forward now, as you guys know the story. Here we find ourselves in a... Um, with again with another phone call somebody wants to meet Danny this little tiny this big of a piece of paper that rocked our world that changed our life that reminded us with so many zeros that you couldn't even compute what was happening and you just have to laugh almost and cry and laugh and do the ugly cry and just say God you did it again you did it again you are faithful and you won't stop. So I hope that encourages you this morning just to know that, yeah, we serve a good God and he's faithful. And don't be surprised by his faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rochelle. <laughs> God is faithful. And the stories that you hear from Rochelle and a couple of stories that I want to tell you now are not uh, my stories. They're not Rochelle's stories. They're your stories. That whether you have come into this church community today for the first time, you came in five years ago, you came in 
40 years ago. Um, these are your stories, and they belong to you because God is good, and he's gifted these things with you. And Rochelle made a comment that um, we've learned the art of borrowing other people's stories. You know, that is, a, that is something that we as the people of God do, that we know the faithfulness of our God because he's done it before. Why wouldn't he do it again? He's done it all throughout his word. If you don't have any of those stories, we read the Bible, and we find all kinds of crazy things that God did for his people because he was good. And we borrow those stories, and we hang on to them because it builds our faith. And so if you're in a place today where you need to have your faith encouraged, whether it's for financial provision or things that are going on in your lives internally, you know that this isn't like us two standing up here just talking about how great our life is. It's talking about how great our God is. And he is so faithful. And so I wanted, um, I wanted to unpack a little bit of um, how this idea of, that Rochelle started with of learning how to trust God. And those of you that have been around for a little bit of time, you'll remember just a little over five years ago, um, maybe six or so, that, our, our, that this present miracle that we're celebrating today started. It started, um, somebody else was preaching, I was sitting right here, and I felt this quickening of the Holy Spirit that we need to do something in this building. And would that do something for me and my imagination was, I, ho- I wonder if we could raise a couple hundred thousand dollars and make it look prettier, you know? And maybe get some new carpet, fix the pews, throw a little paint on the wall, whatever else. And it wasn't because I felt like what we had wasn't good enough. It was because I felt this prompting of the Holy Spirit, literally, like now is the time, engage in it. At that particular time, we had a group of exceptional um, deacons. We have an exceptional team right now. And then we had just the right people as well. Um, those that were visionary, those that could take an idea like that and say, okay, God has something, and I think you're stopping short of what he wants to do. And so why don't you take what he's saying and really dive into it and explore it, and let's do it right. And so uh, some of those guys are here. I know um, George Plaw was leading the deacon team then. I see David here. David's picture memorialized right here, and George is all of all those guys sitting around the table. You know, the picture's not up right now, but sitting around the table, like, you know, conspiring, trying to figure out how can we do this and that's the significance of that photo in there that you might have seen before and so when we gathered together to do that um, we decided it was time to to break ground and go for it and do you remember this this is all a big part of the story and you may have heard it before but it's part of our history so it's important to keep it alive that we came to you and we said hey we want to raise a bunch of money and we want everybody to 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 bring their best you remember that and we weren't a big fundraiser church. We didn't hire a consultant. We didn't do it right. I'm telling you, we didn't do it right because afterwards I went to somebody who does it and they said, you didn't do it right. <laughs> I remember having lunch with a professor that I had from Vanguard, amazing fundraiser, and he brought me through the pyramid of how you do it, how you bring people in, how you like, you know, make sure you recognize certain, all this stuff. And he's like, well, I don't know what you're doing, but this is how you get money. And yet God, right? We raised, because of your bringing your best through our feeble efforts, we raised a million dollars, right? A million dollars. That's crazy. That's crazy money. Some were so incredibly generous. Others gave exactly their level of generosity because it was what they had, but all in. Everybody was all in. And there was this buzz of things that were happening. You remember those days? Uh, Pictures on the wall of what we were going to do and so forth. And, And then we got into the project. How many of you know when you get into the project, it's another story, that this thing takes on a life of its own. My favorite quote from that season of time, once we got into the project, we broke ground, we realized that this place was in structural disrepair, that if there was one good shaker, we weren't going to be here after it. That, that it had all kinds of problems with 
reinforcement, no steel in the building. There was some issues with uh, concrete. In fact, I think we have one picture. I, I'll just put it up for a visual. Um, this is what it looked like around that point in time. Um, the concrete had been poured there. The, the contractor let me know, hey, this place is a little bit off. There's a, and I was like, is that a spiritual metaphor or is that like a, you know... <laughs> But, but, you know, we have to fix some stuff over here we weren't accounting for, and it's going to be expensive, and then point it to other areas. And when you're in this phase of a project and you're dumping money into it, it's no fun because it's not pretty. It doesn't look cool. And we learned quickly through us. You can take that picture down. Uh, it's a little bit traumatic for me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. um, but, but I remember that, that, in that in the midst of that, we came together and we learned that there was the, these structural issues and that our budget, which we had this tight plan, you know, raise a million dollars, do phase one, um, celebrate it, get back into this building, raise another million, do phase two. It was going to be awesome, right? How many of you know we make awesome plans? It was an awesome plan. Then we get news that it's going to cost twice as much as we thought and we can't put together what we broke apart. And so we're stuck with a hole in the ground and a need to get it done. We gathered together as leaders, we prayed, we asked God what to do, and it was a moment where uh, practicality means spirituality, and someone said, what do you mean, what do we do? We finish it. <laughs> we got a hole in the ground, we got to go for it. So we came to you, we secured a good loan, it was more than we wanted to borrow, and you were faithful along the way. My favorite quote from that time, and George, I've got to give it to you, was, uh, plan B is our new plan A. That was a great quote, George. Plan B was our new plan A, and plan B was what's going to get it done, and we're going to trust God. So fast forward, you were faithful. Um, we, we were paying the mortgage. Um, you know, so much generosity was outpouring. Some gave so much, and others gave, again, what their level of generosity was. And all together, we were, we were meeting our mortgage. It wasn't affecting our general fund. And then the interest rate, rate went, phew, right? This interest rate doubled, nearly doubled. And for us, that made a big deal, made a big difference. And as Rochelle already said, right around that time, this little piece of paper changed our moment. And it wasn't the little piece of paper. It was the God who provides through amazing people. People who, who stepped up, who really aren't even living in this state, who have connections with the church, who, who gave generously $2.3 million. $2.3 million, that's just crazy. So, so telling that story, and even in the, the quick version that I've told it, is not to give glory to anyone other than our God. It's to recognize that God moves in the hearts of people who are willing to obey. And when you try to thank people like that, they say things like, thank you. I'm just grateful that we had a place to give it. This is what we give. Our first, first fruits as unto the Lord. Some of you are like, I wish that was my first fruits. But um, so here's... here's Here's a piece of paper that came in the mail that changed it all. We took a picture, and don't you love what someone stamped in red? Little, that was just their day. That was just their job, their thing to, when we paid it off. There's so much more to this story. We can talk as we eat. But when, you know, the, someone had to stamp that and sign it, and that meant a little bit to them, but that means a lot to us. It means a lot to us. It doesn't just mean that, man, aren't we cool? We paid off the building. No, all of this is remembering this. God did something sovereign. The beauty of this miracle is the people who gave this check had no idea about the interest rate boom. 
You had no idea about that. It was fresh information for us. We were processing through it. They had no idea that 2.3 was the exact amount that would pay off that loan. Only God can do that. There's no like making the story any better than it is. That is a God-sized miracle that a sovereign God does. And so when God does something so lavish for us, the only response, in my opinion, is to throw a party and do something very lavish for him, right? So we asked you to bring your best. We asked you to bring your best meats. We asked you to bring your best art to, to show your, your expressions to the Lord, to bring your lives as living sacrifices. This is just the beginning, by the way. Um, you know, some people are like, man, church is long. Church today is long, right? <laughs> church is like this, eat, and then come back together and just celebrate and thank God for his goodness. That's what our plan is for the day. And we hope that you'll stay with us for all of it because a lavish miracle deserves lavish gratitude. Not just a little thank you. Isn't thank you such a small word? It's like not enough, right? To be able to say, oh God, here you are. Here's all of us. I have to embarrass Pedro because he just walked in the room and today's Pedro's birthday. So not only... Hey. Pedro. I know you just walked in. We threw you a big party, bro. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Listen, I, I'm, I'm quickly running out of time, but I think it's important to share two things with you. And, and today we've been in this psalm series, right? The psalm series is, is about the psalms of ascents. And what you've learned in the last couple of weeks is that these psalms are the, the playlist of those who were ascending to places of worship three times a year. Three times a year the people of God would gather together to remember God's goodness, to remember the atonement that, he, that was made for their sins, to remember their community, and to serve one another, and to feast and to enjoy one another. But before I read this psalm, I just looked down at my notes and I saw this quote, Phyllis, I want you to see this too, because we came across um, 1991, 1992, a memo that Pastor Noel sent out to everybody, and it, it was in his moment of, of his own personal crisis as he was battling cancer. And he reminded you all, those of, some of you were there. This is our founding pastor, for those of you who don't know who I speak of. But, but he reminded everybody to live righteously in the midst of an unrighteous world, to keep your eyes peeled towards heaven because Jesus was returning, and that was your hope. Yeah, that's a good, you could clap for that. But then he, he said this, and I can hear him say this, always remember the best is yet to come. Support the church. Pay it off quickly. Love God's church, your second love, Jesus being your first. And remember to love one another as I love you. What a beautiful quote, right? Yeah. So as I said, you're coming into that story. The story that God, by his spirit, would compel a a lead pastor, of a a founding pastor of a church to, to bring that to his people And then over time, because of financial integrity, the ability to do a project like we did now, and then God to do it all over again, just in an entirely different way. He's amazing. God's amazing. This psalm, Psalm 122, and I'll have you turn there. I feel like if I talk faster, I could say more things. (laughs) How appropriate that when I came to the psalm, which this is why I love just going verse by verse in the Bible. I love like capturing books of the Bible because the Holy Spirit shows up as soon as you go, okay, this is the moment. And you, you, you know, I'm familiar with these Psalms, but as I thought, okay, it's Jubilee Sunday. Do we do a Jubilee message? What do we do? And I opened up this Psalm and this is what I read. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. 
Our feet have been standing within the gates of, within your gates, or O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and my companions' sake, I will say peace within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord God, I will seek your good. There is so much that I can say about this, but the one thing I'm going to say about this is in that, in that portion that says um, about Jerusalem, how it was built. It was built compactly. It was built tightly together. That means that when you looked at the roads and when you look at the walls, you see that, that, that a good craftsman doesn't leave gaps, right? I like to do woodwork, and I feel completely fulfilled in myself when, when, you, when you seam two pieces of wood together, and it's just like, it just kisses, gets together. It's just like, it's perfect, you know? And you, there's no little gap there. There's no, they say, putty and paint make up for the carpenter ain't, you know? You know, no need for putty. It's just put well together because it was cut just right. That this city was, was the, the center for politics. It was the center for worship. And it was meant to be intentionally built, almost like Eugene Peterson says in his book. It was like a metaphor for our faith. It's the place that you go that you can rely on for stability. That's kind of why it's still there now. You can walk these same roads, and some of you have. Built together well. Built together tightly. This isn't just a... a um, this is about worship. This is about the house of God, the people of God, that when we are his workmanship and we allow him to build us in our lives and build us together, that we're formed together tightly in such a way that, that we're growing together, sometimes iron sharpening iron. Sometimes we have to deal with like what I like to call the weird uncle, you know, and you might be the weird uncle and not even know it. Um, but but we're, like a, we're like a, my brother's not the weird uncle, by the way, he's right here. He's the great uncle. I love my brother. But, but it's, 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 I'm saying that we're all different kinds of people, but we're built tightly together so that on a day like today, you're not like, oh, man, should I go to church? Oh, I feel so guilty every time I go to church. Oh, man, they burn me out when I go to church. Oh, man. But that you wake up in the morning and go, I was so glad when I figured out it was Sunday. I get to go to the house of the Lord. This is the idea. The reason we're so glad is not because our graphic design is cool, which I, I kind of think is cool. Not because we have stage. We don't have a, we don't have a fog machine. We'll never have one. Um, not because we have amazing music, because we do. Not because we have an ultra-creative staff or incredibly creative people. You've blown my minds at your creativity when I look at that stuff. We come with such great joy because we have a great God who wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to celebrate with us. The worship that we give to God, we pour out our hearts. And what happens? He pours back into us. You're like, no, no, I love you. It's like a polite fight. God, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. <laughs> God, I want more of you. I want more of you. This is our God. This is why when you figured out it was Sunday and your alarm went off, you didn't hit the snooze five times and go, oh, so over it. <laughs> but you were like, sweet, it's Sunday. I'm so glad it's time to go to the house of the Lord. I, I would be completely remiss if I didn't borrow three minutes and say something about Jubilee. 
Jubilee, as we began to explore it, has become something just like revolutionary. I knew it was there in the Bible. I knew Leviticus 25 spoke of this like amazing justice that only God could give to people. Jubilee became for us a, a prophetic word that we said, you know, this is a season. Some people are like, dude, don't tell them, but they're not 50 years old, you know. Like we missed it by 10 years or so. But that Jubilee was the 50th year. We didn't, we didn't proclaim this Jubilee because of the fact that the church is 50 years old because it's not. But the punchline is this. Every day for you and for me is Jubilee because Jesus has become our Jubilee. Yeah. And, and, and this is not a soundbite. I, I want to help build the bridge between what I just said and the reality of the Old Testament passage. If you have time uh, or you want to make time, look at Leviticus 25. Leviticus 25 will tell you about the land getting rest. It will tell you about the poor being free of their debts. It will remind you that everything belongs to God. The land belongs to God. So basically people, hey, he's like, don't freak out if you've got to give it back. It's not yours anyways. That there is no slavery in Jubilee. No one can own the other among the people of God. That debts are canceled. That it's a reboot. And the reason that that's important is because sometimes in life, sometimes in churches, sometimes in farming, things get so messed up that you cannot fix it. No matter what kind of fertilizer you want to put on your field, it's never going to be able to bear that again. No matter in, in relationships, no matter what you try to do, it's like, oh, no matter in looking at your debt, there's the big lie of the credit card debt is they get you in a cycle that you can never pay it off. You know this bad news, right? The wonder of Jubilee is that everything gets a rest so that you can start over. So that you don't have to go and rehash and go, wait, what did that church do to wound me so deeply? Okay, wait, free. It's a year where we just don't, we don't go there. That we allow the restoration of the crop, the restoration of the land, the newness of God, the goodness of God to flow in us. That we are free from things. And this is where I want to say that Jesus became our Jubilee because something happened in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes into his own synagogue, right? He'd been, it was, his, it was his practice to go into synagogues where he traveled, but this was Nazareth. This was hometown. He had been led by the Spirit to go into the wilderness. How many of you want to follow the Holy Spirit? Sweet. Like, there's a conference over there. Let's follow the Spirit. I got that. Like, when Jesus followed the Spirit, he was led into the wilderness, and he was tempted and tried and God refined and did what God was going to do. And Jesus surrendered to the will of God as a human. Now, led by the Spirit, and, and it says, under the power of the Spirit, which is where, if I had more time, we would tie in Pentecost. But under the power of the Spirit, Jesus goes in, and this is epic, what he does. It's his turn to, to read. He gets the scroll from Isaiah. He unrolls it. He comes to Isaiah chapter 61 and he begins to read, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news, to bring freedom to the captives. And then he reads on and he says the last line before he sits down. He says this, And recovery of sight to the blind, and you can go on to the next one, And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor was the year of Jubilee. And Jesus said, today, this was fulfilled in your presence, rolls it up, and then he sits down. It was the ultimate mic drop. 
it was like, and people began to talk about what he had just said. He was declaring to the people that the day of God's favor was here. There's a second day mentioned in Isaiah, the day of the vengeance of our God. That's a day that our, our founding pastor told us to keep our eyes towards heaven for because there's a day when he returns that all things will be made right, that wrong will be made right. And he's coming back for his bride. But before that comes a day of jubilee. And here's where the jubilee is promised, the, the things that he's done for us. How many of you got a little bit, little um, uh, pamphlet thing when you walked in. It just has um, blank pages on. I want you to get that handy. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. The, the jubilee that, that he came to bring us is, believe it or not, far greater than just financial security. God is your provider, and if you put him first and you apply the principles of God's word, you'll never be in lack. You won't be begging for bread. That's a promise from God's word, and those things are true, and I don't mean to take the practical everyday life stuff out of it, but what's even deeper than that is the implications of what jubilee means for you and for me. These are the same things that would be running through the minds of those who were reminded three times a year when they go to the house of the Lord that they couldn't wait to get to when they made sacrifices. The first thing would be that there was an atonement for their sin. And I want you to understand something, that your jubilee, Jesus, has made atonement for your sin. He paid the price. You know the paid in full that I just showed you in a picture? Your sins have been paid in full. Some of you have heard that many, many times in your Christian life. And I pray that this moment, you hear it as significantly as the first time that you heard it. He has paid the price and made atonement for your sin. Your jubilee in Jesus has given you freedom. He is your freedom. That means that you're not bound by fear. You're not bound by anxiety. You're not bound by ailments. That regardless of your circumstance, you're the freest person within those things. And God is doing something. He's at work there. And you have to, and I have to, and we have to lean into our jubilee in Jesus. That he is your rest. How many of you could just use some rest? Some of you are doing it now. God bless you. But, but, no, I'm kidding. How, how many of you could just use, I'm not talking about a good nap, but I'm saying like the ceasing from striving of trying to be figured out, ceasing from striving of, of, of trying to make, prove yourself or have someone accept you or like you or whatever the, the chaos that goes in our minds to have rest. He is our jubilee. Jesus is your rest. You are loved, accepted, favored by God through Christ. He's your deliverance. The dark world is real and the enemy wants a hold of your life. But Jesus, he came to set you free, to literally de de deliver you from the oppression of the evil one. He's your healing. He's your provision. This is Jubilee. And they're going to sing a song. And man, I apologize because I borrowed more than two minutes. I'm at seven right now. But, but they're going to sing this song and... and, and I want to invite you, if you have that little booklet, we provided that for you because it's just um, something to remember this day and this moment. There are many times when God's word is spoken, and I would say in my life, I hear God spoken. It's like, yeah, I want to remember that. But maybe there's a moment right now that you need to memorialize something, something that's just, this is gone. This, this gets to rest. This becomes 
God, in God's hands is a jubilee moment. I woke up this morning with this song, with this uh, proverb, just clear in my mind. I'm going to read it to you. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. And this is what rang in my head. And this is what I want to ask you to do with your little booklet. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. And so whether you want to sing this song or just sit and listen to it, as it concludes, as it brings it into our service, maybe take a moment and write on the tablet of your heart and do it maybe in a physical way with writing in that piece of paper. And maybe I could just suggest starting with expressing your desire to reflect Jubilee, to reflect Jesus, the one who so graciously done all that for you to him. And doing that for the rest of the world, just reflecting that goodness. Maybe it's writing your commitment to be loving and faithful to the people around you. Maybe it's just going, God, I think you're saying this to me right now. Whatever it is, just take a moment and memorialize this. And we're going to sing the song. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to go out, eat vegetables, and then we're going to eat meat. All right? So, Lord, we just choose that even in the midst of a moment that we might already be steps ahead and we can't wait to jump on bouncies and play games and eat good food and celebrate you and fellowship with one another. But in this moment, we invite the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to call to mind your faithfulness in our lives as we write on the tablets of our own hearts committing our lives afresh to you, allowing you to be our atonement and our jubilee. Uh, May you meet us in this moment, I pray. Let's sing this song together.
his true joy and his freedom. So open your heart and receive it. There is a hope to believe in. Jesus, Jesus. There is true joy in his freedom. So open your heart and receive it. There is a hope to believe in. Jesus, Jesus. There is true joy in his freedom. So open your heart and receive it. There is a hope to believe in. Jesus, Jesus. There is true joy. There is true joy in this freedom. So open your heart and receive it. There is a hope to believe in. Jesus, Jesus. today we experience that jubilee in you. Lord, you alone deserve all honor and glory and praise, and our attention is towards you, and our gratitude is towards you, and as we said in the beginning, all of this is for you. Thank you and praise you. We love you in your precious name. Amen and amen. Amen.
Joy of the Lord, I won't take it all. Peace of the Lord, I won't take it all. Power of the Lord, I won't take it all. 